0: Welcome. You're listening to the Pro Bono Happy Hour. I'm Elise Dorita. For our last episode of the year, Rena Glazer will be sitting down with me for a special mailbag episode. Welcome, Rena. Hi, Elise. So, for a mailbag episode, if you haven't listened to one before, it's when readers or listeners submit questions and we just answer them. So I'm going to dive right in. So our first question is, the Law Firm Project has been known to enjoy quite a bit of travel. Where have you traveled to recently?
1: Well, that's a great question, and I think it probably resonates for you, at least, because you love travel. I
0: definitely do. I've been around, I guess, a lot recently. That's true. Yeah, I went to Mexico last month.
1: And what's coming up? What's next?
0: Home, then Australia. Yeah.
1: Big. Mm Mhm. That's big. Um, So looking back, Tammy Taylor and I, in November, went to St. Louis. And we had a fantastic time. We spent a really busy four days there. Monday through Thursday. It's interesting, it wasn't that long ago, but it feels kind of like a long time ago because so much has happened, right? The last chunk of the year is so jam-packed with holidays. We had our office move. There's just a lot going on. Um, So anyway, we had a lovely time and there were a couple components to our trip. One was meeting individually with law firms. We call them house calls which semi connotates that people or firms or pro bono programs are sick and need a (laughs) checkup, but it doesn't mean that. It's really a way for us to get out of the beltway and to go visit people in their communities and hear about what's going on with them, maybe brainstorm solutions to challenges that they're having and hear about all the awesome pro bono work that they are doing. And in St. Louis, it was particularly logistically interesting because as best as I can From my now expert experience of having spent four long days there, there are firms located downtown, sort of near the arch, right near the ballpark, near the sort of historic of what you think of St. Louis downtown. And then there's a very nice, I don't know if you want to call it a suburb or a neighborhood called Clayton, where Washington University and St. Louis is. There's a lot of shopping out there. It's a lovely neighborhood. But they also have... Um, a business district and there are offices so trying to figure out whether the firm was in Clayton or downtown and many firms have offices in both locations where the people that we were meeting were Um, it really all worked great we had enough time between each meeting the logistics were fantastic we like to joke that our trip was supported by Lyft so (laughs) thanks Lyft and if you'd like to support us or your podcast uh, be in touch we'd be happy to have you as a sponsor but it all worked out amazingly, and the firms are doing great things there. And um, it was fantastic to make those connections. And the second big component of our trip was a roundtable lunch, a a community-wide program for um, the large law firms of St. Louis. And um, we worked on it. Primarily, it was the idea of Jenny Schwinderman, who at the time we started planning this event was at Hush Blackwell, and she has since transitioned to a different firm, Lidler Mendelssohn, so that was an interesting journey for her, and this was modeled off of a trip that we did you know, a year ago, right, last December, to Kansas City. And a lot of pro bono leaders um, in firms that have offices in both places, right, in Kansas City and St. Louis, came from Kansas City. And the citywide event, um, also sponsored, sponsored or, or co-led by BAMSL, the Bar Association of Metropolitan St. Louis, brought together pro bono leaders and champions at the large law firms, and office leaders, so whether you were the managing partner of the firm or the chair of the St. Louis office, or maybe you were the practice group leader. Um, So it was sort of commercial business leaders of the firm and pro bono leaders of the firm to get together and have a luncheon. Hush Blackwell was an amazing host um, to talk pro bono. And it was a great turnout, wonderful support, amazing conversations, and we were so, so lucky to have as our guest keynote speaker, John Koenig, who is the president of Fredrickson & Byron, and he came from Minneapolis. Uh, to speak at the lunch, which was completely generous, right, of his time and commitment and of the firm to to send him. And we'll do a special shout out to Pam Wanzell, the leader of the pro bono program at Fredrickson and Byron, um, who helped make it happen. She's listening. Hi, Pam. Um, and to hear more about that firm's pro bono program, you should listen to the episode of the podcast that Pam did way back when, so long ago. We should have her on again, so... Pam, call us or we'll call you. And John was amazing. The topic that the coordinators wanted to address at the luncheon was um the business case for law firm pro bono, right? Why it matters to uh, law firm leaders who were trying to run a profitable law firm, why they should care and support pro bono. And he was amazing um, and a delight and gave real actionable nuggets uh, to people to take back to their firms to help them garner support for pro bono. So it was a really fantastic trip.
0: It was definitely a jam-packed trip. Uh, And if you want to see pictures from the trip, they are on our Twitter And we know that my highlights of the trips are usually, what did you eat? And you guys always report back, and there are photos of that too. And it looked delicious and like a great time.
1: We were told to take photos right, and to and to use our socials, so hopefully we made producer Misha proud. We really embraced the challenge, so th- it really is a lot of photojournalism of our fantastic trip. It was like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It was like Tammy and Rena's Excellent Adventure in <laughs> St. Louis. Yeah, it was really great, really fantastic, we're so grateful to everyone. and. If you are thinking that this is something that would be useful in your community, uh, be in touch. We're planning our travel schedule for 2018, 2019 now. So uh, let us know. 2018
0: sounds so weird to say, (laughs) but it's just around the corner. So we talked about what we did when we weren't in the office, but what are we working on now? Especially now that we're in our new office, in case anyone didn't know that we moved We're now in a metro center at 1001 G Street Northwest, which is exciting. So what have you been doing since we've been here?
1: Um, Unpacking. (laughs) I uh, hung my pictures this week. That was exciting.
0: Oh, yeah. I'll have to go take a look.
1: Not something I excel at. Sort of straight. Not... I used a tape measure. I I watched some YouTube videos to help me, but um, I'm not good at that. My family usually helps me. They're they're expert at that. So that was some professional development and growth for me. (laughs) You're probably good at it because you can do the math. Like, I can't figure out, you know, here's the wall, where's center. How do you take into account the wire? Like, do you add inches or subtract inches, right, because the height is going to be affected If that makes sense. Okay, this is riveting. (laughs) We've done interior decorating, I think is the point. So, well, if you follow our calendar, you know we're getting into the busy season for our conference, right, which hits generally February, March. This year it's very early, uh, so it's coming very soon, February 24th. First. Ah, that will be very soon. So that's gotten us very busy. This will be a teaser because I'm sure we'll come back in January and do our annual conference preview. So we'll deep dive even more, but you can go to the website. Registration's open. Check it out. See if that's something of interest to you. Get in early before the rates go up. So don't pay more. Get a discount. Everyone loves a good discount. Uh, we're really busy as always, working on the expo, the pro bono expo, and happy hour, and it's going amazing. So that's exciting. Yeah, I
0: definitely say so. We already have a ton of tables lined up, and we're all very excited about them too.
1: So what's the expo for new listeners who don't know?
0: The expo is a place where you can mix and mingle with uh, public interest organizations, and they host tables. Where they um, kind of promote their own program and saying, this is what we do and offer opportunities. And you can also, like, network with people that are in law firms while networking with the public interests. And the food is delicious. Yeah. So... We are going to go deep dive into the conference later on, as we just said. So what about the pubs that we are working on? I know you and I have been working on Second Acts for some time now.
1: Yeah, so let's talk about that. So for people who don't know, our Second Acts project is geared towards second acts in the life of a lawyer. I think, you know, think to yourself really quickly. What's the first thing that comes into mind when I say law firm pro bono? Who do you envision as the lawyer doing pro bono? Okay, I would bet for many of you, it's a younger lawyer, or a newer in their career lawyer, even if they maybe chronologically aren't so young, right? A junior lawyer. And we've talked a lot on the show, and we think about this, that how pro bono builds skills, and that it's good for your professional development and growth, and this is something John Koenig talked a lot about, that has become almost a stereotype, right? A way of thinking about pro bono. But by doing that, we leave a lot of talent on the table. That is the lawyers on the other end of the spectrum, the gray hairs like me, people who have experience and skills. And so our second ads program, which started in 2005, um, is really to focus attention on transitioning lawyers, the soon-to-be either partially or fully retired as they're ratcheting down their commercial work. How can we get them to ratchet up their pro bono work? their commitment to access to justice. And these could be people who've been pro bono champions their whole career. It could be newcomers, right? It's never too late. So maybe now's the time to get you into the fold that you have more time to dedicate to this. What are the different models that would work? What are the different obstacles and challenges? And how can we share solutions with you? So Elise, um, a while ago, almost a year ago, we did a survey of law firms to kind of touch base with them and see where they are on second X programs. Do they have a program? Uh, are they supportive of the concept, sort of proof of concept? What do they see the challenges and what do they see the support? So we've got a toolkit coming out that's going to capture the results of that survey and also offer a lot of practical chapters almost, um, that firms could use when thinking about or launching a Second Acts program at their firm for their lawyers. So I think that's another teaser, and I'm sure when we publish the toolkit, we could do another episode to deep dive into the world of Second Acts.
0: Yes, so keep your eyes open for that coming sometime in early 2018.
1: And I think with the aging of the boomers, this is this topic's not going away, so I think it's really galvanized and has become of even more interest on people's minds. You know, whether it's for them personally because they're at this stage of their career, and also for their institution.
0: Yeah, I definitely think based on all the data we have that there's an increased interest as time goes on. So there is another publication. I, I guess there the are report that um, we started working on recently. It's our annual challenge report that. Um, law firms commit to a certain percentage of pro bono work each year. So our question about this that we found for a reader is the challenge uses PBI's definition of pro bono. Could you explain what pro bono is?
1: That's a great question. Um, I think we have listeners who come from all over the world and all types of backgrounds. And sometimes we get into our lawyerly (laughs) lingo, and we're not always uh, stepping back to explain sort of terms of art and concepts. And so Let's talk about what is pro bono. And, of course, it varies by profession. So if you're an architect, uh, you know, giving free professional services, right, helping sort of groups that can't pay for architectural and design services would be pro bono, right, in your wheelhouse giving professional skills. So in the legal field and for uh, the work that we do and we care about, here's how we define pro bono. First... Um, it's work taken without the expectation of a fee. So I think this rings true as you're listening, right? When you think of pro bono, you think that it's for free, right? Like no charge. And for the most part, that's the case. Second, it's the delivery of legal services. So in order for something to be considered pro bono for us, it really needs to be something that, only a lawyer can do or a legal assistant, right? Someone trained uh, and under the supervision of a lawyer. So not community service, you know, painting um, murals is great, but that's not going to be pro bono. Tutoring and reading to kids is amazing. That's not going to be pro bono. Teaching isn't going to be pro bono. Even law-related activities, civics, not going to be pro bono. You really need to be providing legal services, right? It's a privilege to practice law. And so it's really, you know, things that uh, virtually, you know, only a lawyer can do. Um, And here's the sort of three prongs to break down the types of activities that we uh, use to define pro bono. And you can find more about this on our website, probonoinst.org, or be in touch with more detailed questions. We don't want to get too in the weeds, but just sort of overarching three prongs. The first prong is legal services to people of limited means, right? And that's, I think, also what you think about, and we talk a lot with guests, pro bono legal services for um, people uh, with very low income, right? Poor people, Mm -hmm. no income. And if you go to uh, a legal services organization, they have income vetting requirements. So as part of their intake, they will ask people, what's your sources of income? What are your savings? And clients that come through those organizations have met income thresholds to determine their eligibility. So Low income, limited means, people, families, uh, or organizations that are set up primarily to serve people of limited means. So that's sort of prong one. Prong two um, has no means requirement. There is nothing to do with sort of your income um, and where you are on the um, financial. distribution, you know, sort of system where you are on that range, it has to do with the provision of legal services to individuals or groups seeking to protect things like civil rights, civil liberties, or public rights. And the idea, pro bono publico, for the public good, gets at um, these, these civil and public rights. And they benefit poor people and people of higher income just the same. So if you are doing work that would advocate for civil rights and public rights, environmental rights, um, civil liberties, that counts. That's sort of a separate prong. And the third prong goes back to uh, an income idea, and that's the provision of legal services to nonprofits, civic groups, government groups, Um, where the payment of legal fees would uh, deplete the organization's economic resources and would be inappropriate. So that's where you get pro bono for nonprofit organizations, right? Pro bono for those uh, institutions uh, that are of limited means and can't pay for legal services Um, and there's some tests there but you you hear about work that isn't for individual clients but for organizations and that's the prong that that comes in under too.
0: Great. So um, the report will be coming out... Kind of seems like a long time away, but it goes so fast Um, in June. But the reporting will start in January, so be on the lookout if you are a challenge signatory for uh, your link to the uh, survey.
1: Yeah, and that's when we usually have our state of pro bono pod where we talk about the results. So, yep.
0: Yeah, look forward to that one in the future as well. So, I'm going to change speeds a little that we recently discussed this new podcast called Origins, which is a behind the music type program. Which has started with television, but from what I've read about, it seems like they're going to span into like different kinds of pop culture. Could we go behind the podcast? Because when this started, I wasn't here either, so I actually would really be interested to hear about this. What is the Pro Bono Happy Hour's origin story?
1: Okay, I love this question, partly because I love this new podcast, Origins, by James Andrew Miller. You may have heard of him. He's a very well-known writer. He wrote like the definitive history of Saturday Night Live. He wrote the definitive history of ESPN, and his first season of this podcast was about the show Curb Your Enthusiasm, and he just breaks down everything about the show, right? How it was produced, how Larry David came up with it. It is so in the weeds. It's an incredible work. And he just dropped the trailer for his next season, which is going to be a history of ESPN. So um, it got me thinking about origin stories. I also think we're feeling a little nostalgic. Maybe this is why the question popped up, because we're rapidly approaching our 100th episode. So... Um, That's amazing. So as we look to the future, it's kind of fun to look back. So let's get back into the, you know, way back time machine (laughs) to, I think it's around, you could nod if this makes sense to you, October 2014, when the podcast Serial came out. So maybe you've heard of that, right? It's, like, one of the most famous, well-known, well-listened-to podcasts. And I think it made podcasts pop, right? Like, it became such a phenomenon, even for people that weren't into podcasts, like me, kind of drank the Kool-Aid, right, and came <laughs> around. And I was a lead adopter. I was sort of like, what? Podcasts? What, what's that? Why would you want to listen to your phone? Like, that's why. <laughs> I, you know, I use a pencil and paper. I just And so our Project assistant at the time, Eva Richardson, who you know because she's hosted many episodes, said, okay, Rena, you're about to go on a trip. You will love this. Download some episodes of this thing called a podcast and listen on the flight and let me know. You know, we'll we'll talk about it when you get back. And Sarah Koenig had me from Hello. It was amazing. And I loved it. And Eva and I would break down the episodes. You know, that's sort of a true crime genre of storytelling. And she and I started listening to all kinds of podcasts. Eva, this may or may not come as a surprise to people, she loves comedy. She goes to stand-up shows, she's just a comedy savant. She she would listen to a lot of comedy podcasts, and I would listen to a lot of pop culture, and TV, and sports podcasts, and we would just talk podcasts all the time, and, and share. And I started thinking, well, why don't we have a podcast? We could have a podcast. It sounds crazy that our under-resourced little nonprofit would start a podcast, but here's why I don't think it was a totally crazy idea. So at the time, and so this is leading up to the fact that it basically took us a year to sort of conceive and figure out, but many of you will remember producer Dave. So he was on staff at the time, and he had an amazing background in recording and music mixing. And I was like, he's got to have the technical skills to sort of either be familiar with this or figure it out. And then our communications associate at the time, Yvette Crenshaw, who many of you know, both both of these people hosted podcasts. They were in front of the mic, you know, and behind the scenes, had a broadcasting and journalism background. So I thought, okay, this is so in their wheelhouse. This will be great. Part two, this will be tremendous professional development for our team. I think in a lot of institutions, again, particularly small nonprofits, we struggle to get professional development opportunities that are meaningful for our staff. And I thought this will be great, right? We'll be able to create something. We'll learn things. And I think in a lot of, um, I think it's true of any business, organization, school even, you're in your department. And you have your area of expertise, but you don't always know what's going on elsewhere. And I think if you work in communications and marketing or development and stewardship and fundraising or even operations and administration, you're not always tied in. Um, to the extent you want to be, to the content and the mission and the programmatic pieces of the organization. And this was a great way for our communications folks to really have a very content-driven project, right, that would help get them synced with the work that our stakeholders are doing and the law firm project work. And we always talk about breaking down silos, and this seemed like a great way to do it. So there were those goals And then the other motivating factor I had, and we've talked about this a lot on our podcast, particularly when we were promoting the conference last year in storytelling right, and the value of narrative in communicating our stories and explaining the great work that people are doing um, to advance pro bono, to advance the cause of access to justice, to bring about reform, to help so many in need, both in the United States and around the world, Our community is doing amazing things, right? Lawyer jokes aside, there's so much need, but we are bringing about so much relief and so much comfort and changing people's lives that these were powerful and impactful and meaningful stories to tell. And who best to tell them but our members and our challenge signatories and then our nonprofit and legal services partners on occasion. And it just seemed like a win-win-win, you know, if we could figure out how to do it. And it took us a while and we did and we launched and I think it's been amazing. And I'm so grateful to our team who worked so hard to put this together and all of our amazing guests that take the time to talk to us and communicate and spread the word. It's just, uh, as we mentioned, we're, you know, gonna hit our one hundred. 100th episode we passed two years it's just exceeded sort of any expectation even high ones of of putting out an amazing and excellent show thank you for listening it's been a tremendous and amazing journey so and we're still learning so send your ideas send your feedback we are constantly tinkering all the time right adding music doing all kinds of crazy things so yeah does that answer Your question? Yeah, I think so.
0: Uh, I really like and enjoy doing it, too. I think that this is probably, speak for myself, maybe you guys do, that it is one of my favorite things that we do. Also, it's really cool to say, I'm a podcast star, to your friends.
1: Yes! (laughs) Emphasis on star.
0: (laughs) So I'm going to pivot to the fact that it is the holiday season, Uh, so people are probably still gift shopping, and I just finished, but I know my whole house of people I live with are scrambling. So choosing a g- gifts can be a daunting task. Do you have any gift suggestions?
1: Of course I do. Do you? I
0: definitely do. So we've been talking a lot about gifts that give back. So these are gifts that like, you can actually concrete buy, buy someone a gift, but then it somehow gives back to the world or someone in a specific way. So we were talking about one yesterday that I'm wearing right now. These Pura Vita bracelets, which are actually made by uh, people over the world that started in Costa Rica and they have this whole collection of charity bracelets so each bracelet represents a charity and not only if you wear it it creates awareness for that charity but it gives back to charity as well. so I wear the Alzheimer's awareness bracelet every day like my sister-in-law wears an animal shelter one every day and they have so many they're probably the least 20 charities So that one's pretty great.
1: I love this. I wasn't so familiar with these, but they are so cute. I went and checked them out. They also have ones that just promote things like acts of loving kindness. Mm -hmm. We need to lobby for a pro bono or access to justice one. I bet they would do it.
0: Yeah, because you can. I've actually, my mom works in a nonprofit, so I've sent her them before. And be like, your organization needs to get in touch with them. Yeah. You can have one too. Yeah. And I definitely think that that's something we could do. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, pure Vita, yeah, we're coming for you. we love, we love your accessories. And uh, great job. Great work. Yeah, do you have any others? I do. I have three that I wanted to share. and I will say if you um, miss these, check out our blog because we're blogging about these and we've got links and um, it's a fun, it's a fun thing we do every year. Mine that I wanted to highlight are all very food oriented. I like that. <laughs> what does that mean? It means, hey, we like to eat. Also, we are now surrounded by holiday cookies that our amazing uh, colleague, Tammy Taylor, bakes every year. And they are so delicious. So the first one I want to call out that people may have heard of, but it's fantastic, is the Grayston Bakery. It's G-R-E-Y-S-T-O-N. They're in Yonkers. Uh, Yonkers, you may have heard of because it was the focus of the amazing HBO miniseries, Show Me a Hero. Did you watch this? Have I promoted this before? It's so good, and it's all about a legal case, uh, about affordable housing and uh, desegregation in Yonkers, so law-related. It stars the amazing Oscar Isaac, who stars also in the Star Wars movies. Oh, I'm not a Star Wars person. Which is coming out next week, right? The yeah. new or this oh, no, week? No, it's
0: coming out tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. So, yeah. The yeah. new Star Wars person. There you
1: go. So, Oscar Isaac, he's amazing. Um, Show Me a Hero, HBO on demand. It's a couple years old. I'm sure you can see it. It's so bittersweet. It's based on a true story. It's an incredible watch. Anyway, my point is, <laughs> Grayston Bakery and Yonkers—they've been around for 35 years, and their tagline is "Eat brownies, change lives." And they promote what they call radical inclusion, and they'll hire anybody. And it's a, an effort to teach life skills and give people jobs who are, quote unquote, unemployable. So whether it's people with prison records, people just you know recently incarcerated, people who have substance abuse issues, and it's all about training and getting people their first jobs, and then they can move up the pipeline or they're employable elsewhere. And they source their product to Ben and Jerry's and all kinds of places, and you can order their brownies, their own amazing and support a good cause. So, um, Grayston Bakery, check them out. Closer to home. Uh, we have Dog Tag Bakery right here in Georgetown and they now ship. So I feel good promoting them for people who are not in the Washington area and can't schlep to Georgetown. And they, um, are all about veterans. And employing veterans and teaching them business skills so they can go out and create businesses of their own. And I think that's fantastic. And my last uh, lead, um, and by no means only, check out our blog. We're going to have many more, and there's so many awesome places to support, uh, is the Women's Bean Project. They're in Denver, Denver, Colorado, and I first found them when they start when we started looking a few years ago for mm-hmm. um, places to promote because one of our firms, Hogan Lovells, is pro bono counsel to them, and their theme is we don't hire women to make bean soup, we make bean soup to hire more women. And it's a similar thing, right, where they take survivors of domestic violence, people with uh, sort of poor education, back- people who are quote, unquote, unemployable, and um, give them both the employment they- training they need and the life skills they need to really turn lives around. And they have a whole line of sort of soup mixes and now coffees and popcorn and even some jewelry and gift stuff. And they're so big now they're available on Amazon. You know, it's they have a lot of outlets to get their stuff. And you can feel like, you know, you're, you're shopping for a good cause. And they really have amazing missions. And they use the commerce, you know, to support their mission. So it's really mission-driven and they do amazing work.
0: Yeah, there are a ton of them. I had so many that it was hard to pick. Even, this is a very common one, but I didn't realize how much they did. So, remember when Toms came out, they did, like, one shoe for yeah. every shoe? Now they do so much more, and I had no idea. So, they make their own coffee beans now. Wow. So, that donates, like, access to water. And then they have sunglasses, and that's for, to, like, repair people's sight treatment. And then their bags go for safe, safe birthing, like, helping that. And then there's this one backpack that goes to, like, bullying responses. So, even them, I didn't know how much they had expanded since they first...
1: That's amazing. You know, I think that we're really in an engaged era and sort of social entrepreneurship is on people's mind, whether it's millennial driven or or what we think. But I I remember trying to do this X number of years ago and it was sort of scrappy to to find outlets and now there's there's florists and there's water bottles Mm -hmm. soap I mean there's so many hats (laughs) I mean and they're all socks and you you think like wow by buying socks you're able to give socks to people who need socks you know soap. people don't have soap and it's uh it's really sort of bittersweet right the sad to see the need but it's so amazing to see uh, what people are doing and I would say if people want to give us a gift of course you could support us but even better um leave us a review we we would love that um that would be a tremendous gift and mainly because the reviews help the algorithm which I don't understand math like you do Elise but it means more eyeballs see the show and it really spreads the word about pro bono and access to justice so that's something you could do. (laughs)
0: So with the holidays, there's also the new year coming up. What are your New Year's resolutions?
1: Do you have New Year's resolutions?
0: Um, Besides my normal resolution of eat better and then I never actually do that, um, I would just say, like, keep doing good work and giving, like, voices to the voiceless and things like that because... That's just always an important thing. And like every year I also try to do um, a resolution where I like donate more gear, which I think is is working. So that's my small contribution to the greater good of the world.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. Um, for people who are looking to do this, yeah, we always say, do more pro bono. Mm-hmm. Uh, join the challenge. If you want to do a New Year's resolution as a firm and there's more information on the website or contact us and we can send it to you. I, too, am traditionally anti-resolutions. It feeds into my fear of failure and perfectionism and it's just setting myself up um, for disaster. But I thought of one um, um, for this year and it comes out of this amazing experience that I had this semester teaching a law school class at Georgetown, which has just been fantastic. So shout out to my amazing students and and to the law school. Um, And one of the, just boiled down to a very, very basic nugget. Um, We were talking about building professional skills and resilience for when things don't go well and not just bouncing back, but learning and really thinking about um, how we could Both do things better in a professional setting and be happier as a lawyer and happier as a person. And one of the meaningful tips that the curriculum offered is something called gratitude journaling, and just gratitude. And there's a whole lot of science behind this. There are TED Talks. It's, you know, we, we looked and studied that. Some of it comes from Dr. Larry Richard, lawyer Brain, that we use a lot. He's part of the curriculum, so that made me happy. And the point is this. If you are falling into any negative mindsets, which just let's face it, you watch the news these days, you've got some negative mindset. You just can't help it, right? You live in the world these days one great antidote to that is gratitude. And very quickly, if you are able to train yourself every day to focus on things that you are grateful for, it's big and little. So it could be your family. It could be health. It could be the wonderful colleagues I get to work with every day. It could be our amazing podcast. It could be our amazing listeners. It could be a, the amazing people at the law firms that we work with who are just champions and do such incredible work. It could be the amazing students I worked with. It could be the nice person I saw in the metro that gave up her seat for someone, right, big and little. And if you train yourself to really focus on those every day, you have a more positive outlook, right? It carries over subtly into everything that you're doing. And a number of my students took the challenge. They, the, the challenge was to seriously journal gratitude every day write down, you know, X number of things that you're grateful for. And after a week, A, is it a routine? B, are you just in a better mood? Because somehow spending that amount of time not whining, but being grateful and seeing the good kind of has a bigger impact on your outlook. And they reported a few weeks later, both in class and some in their sort of um, written assignments, that it made a big difference. And these are cynical, <laughs> right? Um, um, skeptical, tired, stressed out, law students. So I thought, oh, if it works for them, uh, I'm going to double down and try that a little more. I like to do it. I like to do that on my walk to the metro as so you're like thinking your thoughts. Think, wow, that's a beautiful sunrise. Wow. Oh, it's sunny today even if it's freezing i mean just kind of focus <laughs> on uh the gratitude and um, so that's my new year's resolution to kind of be gratitude focused that's and, a
0: great resolution especially uh after the year we've had so um we will be back next year as well hopefully we'll talk about if we actually did our resolutions at some point which i hope we all did Um, And we'll be back in January with a new episode. So thank you, Rena, for joining me today.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure. And it's really exciting to break in our new studio.
0: New and archived episodes of the podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Please take a moment to leave an Apple Podcast review. It is quick and easy to do. We'd appreciate the feedback and would help make it easier for other listeners to find the show and expand the conversation about pro bono and access to justice. We'd love to hear from you. Send your comments, feedback, and questions to probono at probonoinst.org. Tune back in on January 4th for all-new episode of the Pro Bono Happy Hour.